how we hold and relate to grief changes, but it doesn't go away. There are some losses and some griefs that we never are free of. We're just not. And believing that we have to be free of it is where we can go wrong, is what can feel impossible about it, especially when the waves keep coming up over and over. Hey friends, welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Zamora, and today we're going to be talking about how we cope with the impossibility of grief and incomprehensible loss. I, shockingly, do not think that we have ever defined impossible on this show, but impossible means not able to occur, exist, or be done, and incomprehensible means not able to be understood, not intelligible, and both of these words are so deeply related to grief and loss. Anyone who has grieved someone or something they love, who has lost something or someone that is truly meaningful for them, understands grief. Grief is immense. Grief feels all-consuming and something that I relate to very deeply, and I know a lot of people who have experienced very big or traumatic losses relate to as well, is that feeling and that experience of your body not being able to bear the weight of grief. I talk about this in Unravel. The moment that I heard that my ex had committed suicide, I buckled under the weight of that grief. It wasn't a thought. It just happened. My legs gave out. My knees hit the pavement. And a lot of people who share their stories of grief, a lot of the grief that we witness, whether it's reenacted on TV shows or movies or something that we see on the news, there is that buckling under the weight of grief, the way that it hits our bodies and our nervous systems, our hearts and our souls. It's incomprehensible. It feels impossible to understand the immensity of it, the weight of it, the reality of it is too much for our little human bodies to hold. And there are different layers and levels of loss and grief. And I'm speaking to those really hard to hold losses in this show. And that is not to say that it can only look like certain losses. Whatever it is for you that is so incomprehensible, so challenging for your mind, body, and soul to really come to terms with, to really hold and make sense of and be with. Those are the losses that we're addressing here because those are the losses that feel truly impossible. There can be grief with quote-unquote smaller losses, not to, not to say those are less meaningful or impactful on our lives, but that could be losing a job. There could be grief there, but it might not be so big because that particular job or that role didn't define you. It didn't make you happy necessarily. Or maybe you loved it, but you understand why it's coming to an end. There's still grief there. That's still a loss, but it is something that you can comprehend. You can make sense of. You can hold. Whether that is the emotion and the energy of it or just the intellectual understanding and reality of it. Those bigger losses, which could be the same loss that is smaller, relatively smaller to someone else, but to you is incomprehensible. You feel immediately cracked open. You can tell that you have been altered to your core by this loss. You do not know how to make sense of life anymore. And this is something that we really dig into in Journey Mapping, as well as on the Tales from the Journey podcast. Those moments that 
alter us. Those challenging chapters, big life transitions, those experiences that rock us to our core. And when there's grief involved, the thing about grief that I never understood until I really experienced it, and I had lost a grandparent, I had lost pets over the years, I had experienced those relative, for me, relatively smaller losses. It's not to say that I wasn't sad or heartbroken that I didn't grieve, but they didn't shake me to my core. They didn't cause me to go on this deep journey of unraveling and reorienting to myself and every aspect of life and the people around me. Whereas my traumatic loss in 2014 took the wind out of me, literally took the wind out of me and brought me to my knees. And and that is what I did not understand about big grief, grief that is so immense and overwhelming and incomprehensible, not difficult, difficult to understand, like something that we cannot seem to make sense of the, the moment that it hits our body and our, our small human bodies buckle under the weight of that grief and our physical bodies ache and hurt. I remember my skin hurting. It hurt to be inside my skin. And the moment that I heard the news about this traumatic loss, which if you want to learn more about it, I talk about it throughout the show. I've written about it in Unravel. It is when a very recent ex-boyfriend committed suicide after I asked him to leave me alone. And when I got the news, I was in Hawaii visiting family for the holidays, and I remember immediately falling to my knees on the concrete floor of my mom's garage. Instantaneously, when he said the news, boom, I was on my knees. And I can be very emotionally triggered, not in a bad way, but emotionally triggered when I watch movies and TV shows where the acting is so spot on, and you know that person has either studied or experienced that level of grief, when they witness or hear of the loss, buckle. They fall to their knees. They scream at the top of their lungs. And we see this. If you are paying attention to what is going on in the world, if you are doing the work so that you are able to bear witness to what is hard and what hurts in this life, you will see that from real people experiencing horrific losses where they see their loved one has passed, has not survived, and they scream. They fall to their knees. They wail. They shake their hands in disbelief. This is the type of grief that we are addressing today. That grief that is so incomprehensible, so impossible to understand. And this grief itself is not impossible. It's occurring. It exists in our experience, in our reality right now. But it feels as if it cannot be done. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And there were so many moments in my grief in those early days, weeks, and months that I really believed that if I allowed myself to feel what was there with the grief, that I would not survive it. As logical as I can be at times, as intellectual as an, and intelligent as I can be, as just aware as I am of how the world works and what can and cannot kill us, I really felt and believed that if I let myself go into my grief, I would not come out the other side. And sure, there are things like broken heart syndrome, right? The stress of loss can cause us to have physical responses that could kill us if not managed well. 
if, especially if we sit in them, if the stress is too much for our bodies for whatever reasons, this is not true as a default though. And it wasn't that I thought I'm going to stress myself out so much that I'm going to have a heart attack. It will consume me. If I let myself feel this, I will just poof, cease to exist. And I've written a lot about that over the years, online, in my book, talking about that experience of understanding how life and death work, but also feeling truly that I would not come through it. And yet, instinctually, thank goodness, because if left to my conscious mind to make the decision, I would not have chose this. Instinctually, I allowed myself to go all the way to the bottom of my grief every time it came up. I would look at whatever triggered me. I would think the thought. I would replay the memory until I squeezed out every last bit of grief from that wave, from that moment. It didn't mean that there wouldn't be other things that triggered me. It didn't mean that I wouldn't have more waves of the same grief about the same things. But in that particular wave, and anyone who's experienced grief of any kind knows that it comes in waves, there can be moments where you think, oh, I think, I think I'm good now. And next thing you know, you're sobbing in the middle of the grocery store because you come across their favorite brand of cornflakes. The most random things can trigger these waves and they just come and they go and they come and they go. So I would go into with every wave, I would go into it and I would consciously and intentionally hurt myself and not in a negative way, in a very productive way. So I would look at that thing and I would look at it until I couldn't cry about it anymore. And I would let all of the emotion come up and move through me. And the amount of time that I spent on my kitchen floor or my apartment floor, just sobbing, just collapsing into the grief, being taken out again and again at the knees, having the wind knocked from my body again and again, and just surrendering to it. I spent so much time on the floor. I spent so much time sobbing and screaming and nearly hyperventilating. And every single time that I would do this, there would always come a moment where it passed. I would find not peace, not happiness or contentment, but I would reach a state of calm. All of that wave would have moved through me and out, and I would stop, and I would be able to breathe again, and I would sit there for a minute or two or three, and then I would get back up and I would get back to life. And there were times, certainly, that it was so overwhelming that I would get back and I would take a nap, but I would let it move through me. And the reason I believe that grief feels so impossible is because it is a tumultuous mix, this storm of so many emotions that don't always make sense. I remember when my ex passed away the day after I heard the news, having one of very few moments of anger. And anger is a part of grief. Having this rage, this anger at him for leaving me. And I remember that is what I would say. You just left me here. You just left. You just left me here. And I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me intellectually because I had ended the relationship. I had requested that he stop showing up after I ended the relationship. I made it very clear that I did not want him in my life at that time, probably ever based on how things were going. But I still had this confusing, irrational, illogical anger. And that is the thing about grief 
There's so much about grief that we don't understand until we experience it because it doesn't make sense when you're outside of someone else's grief. It's illogical. It's irrational. It is chaotic. It is all over the place. My anger in that moment was I can't like you just left me here. You just left. And even in that moment, feeling the intensity of that rage, the realness of that rage, the truth of that rage for me, I did not understand it. It didn't make any sense to me based on how I felt about him and the relationship and moving on with my life, but it was there. And so I let myself rage. And there would be these other moments of rage that would be triggered by things, like hearing a commercial for, or commentary, I don't remember, it was on the radio, but it was about the new Bond movie, and screaming in my car at the night sky, you're never going to see a Bond movie again. I was so angry about this. Just rage coursing through my body, screaming at the night sky as if that's where he was. Of all the things to be upset about, him never seeing a Bond movie again, which he loved, just enraged me. But I would let that move through. I would have my moments of anger. I would yell at his box of stuff. You're just a box of things. Like that's, that's all you are. Literally, that's all that's left of you a sweatshirt, and a bunch of other junk. And again, all of this for me was very instinctual. I think that I had a leg up because I am a more feely personality type. So I've always had a relationship to my emotions. I've always had very big emotions, very dramatic emotions at times, definitely very intense emotions. So the personality types that are on the feelings and emotion side will have a bit more ease with this. Doesn't mean it's easy, but you likely already have a relationship to some degree with your emotions. So it's easy. It's more natural for us to feel. Whereas if you're a logical type, all of a sudden your body is filled with these emotions that don't make any sense logically. There's rage about things that don't matter. There's sadness here. There's just all of this emotion that is overwhelming. And body types, we're going to have an Enneagram expert on soon body types feel it so viscerally in their body that it's painful for them and they don't want to go into their emotions and the logical types needed to make sense especially certain ones who have cut themselves off from their body and their emotions so being able to welcome and feel all these emotions will be more easeful more difficult depending on your personality type depending on how willing you are to feel contractive emotions so for me I think I had a leg up having already had a relationship to my emotion. Not a perfect one, not a full one, but as someone who was always feeling and who let herself feel, at least with herself, I was no stranger to big emotions. But there was something in me that was instinctually like, go into it all the way to the bottom. Find the bottom of this feeling. Find the bottom of this rage. Don't try to change it. Don't try to bypass it. Don't try to stuff it down. And I want to say also, I was not perfect with this throughout my whole life. I was a feely person. I allowed myself with myself to feel how I felt to be dramatic and intense and emotional. But I had learned with other people to keep it buttoned up, to stay safe by never showing emotion, not unless I wanted to show that emotion or it was the quote unquote appropriate emotion for that person or situation. I wouldn't cry at sad movies. I I wouldn't cry in intense situations and relationships. I had learned to, what I thought, control my emotions, but really suppress them as a means to stay safe. So 
All of this after loss was new to me in some ways. There was this instinct to go to the bottom of it. I do not know where it came from, and I don't care because it saved me. It kept me from storing all of that raw grief and emotion in my body, in my cells, in a way that I would probably still be unpacking and working with today. There are certainly things that I have had to process over the years, things that weren't apparent in the moment of the loss, the way that they disrupted me, trying to reclaim parts of myself, trying to release the guilt, the shame, the blame that I felt for his death. But I don't have any stored grief. I don't have any stored rage, anger, sadness, whatever it might be. I didn't store it because when it came up, I felt it fully. Sometimes there were stories that I told myself, but more often than not, I would just surrender to the raw emotion. And we talked a lot about surrender in an earlier episode. I will link to that in the show notes. Surrender is not fighting against. It's not giving up. It is releasing resistance. So I didn't have any resistance to my emotions. They were so big. They were too big. And I had been cracked so far open by the experience that I I couldn't contain it, nor did I want to. I couldn't, with my PTSD that was already forming, care what other people thought about it, care how they felt about it. There was so much that I would just say, if you asked me how I was, I would just answer you. And it was raw and it was hard. And a lot of people didn't know what to do with it because it was, it was just real. I didn't filter myself. I did not have the ability. And that is one of the gifts of PTSD that I see now is that I didn't didn't have a point of reference. I could not consider other people in a lot of different ways. And sure, that was harmful. And I had to repair certain relationships after I healed. But for my processing, for my healing, not filtering, not stopping the flow of emotions as much as I could help it. If I was at a business meeting, I would break down in the car afterwards. I wouldn't necessarily do it in the meeting unless it was somebody that it was okay to do that with. So there was a bit of suppression, but I never suppressed and forgot. I would go to my car after a meeting and I would have a full-on grief breakdown. I would sob, I would scream, I would rage, I would shake. And I let all of that emotion just move out. I just surrendered to it. I let it consume me and envelop me. And this is what feels so impossible to us because we cannot comprehend. We cannot understand the loss. It does not make sense to us. Even if intellectually we can understand what happened, why, why they're gone, why it's gone, why things are different, why we feel grief, somatically our body has to go through its process. And that is confusing and hard. But if we can simply surrender to the raw emotion, and depending on the emotions and the intensity, please get support. Do not do this alone. If it's too much for you, if it's too overwhelming, if it triggers you into panic or anything like that, you need support. Whether that is process work, coaching, therapy, don't do it alone. Get support to move through this process because where this can be damaging is when We have no control of it, which by default is uncontrollable, but no control in the sense that we can't stop the stories and interpretations that then trigger us to spiral, trigger us to tell stories about ourselves, to beat ourselves up, to make ourselves bad and wrong, to 
intensify our core wound stories, to trigger depression and anxiety. As always, when we interpret, when we assign meaning to things versus feeling the raw emotion, that's where we go awry. That's where we go astray. And that's where it can become a problem that is not controllable to us in an unproductive way versus the uncontrolling nature of just feeling raw emotion. You can feel completely out of control with that. And it can be healthy and safe. Sobbing so hard, you feel like you might just poof, disappear. But if you feel your emotions, especially the contractive emotions, all the way through productively without story or interpretation, letting the raw emotion move through and out of you, you will find the end point. And at that end point, there might be peace. There will definitely be a sense of calm. You will feel tired and worn out by what you just went through, but you have moved it out of your body. You have begun to heal. And the thing with grief that I think feels so impossible to us is that we think the goal is to be grief-free. That is not how grief works. There are some things that we will move on from and no longer grieve. For example, we might have a relationship that was the wrong relationship come to an end. We might feel grief after that. We might get to a point in that healing process as we heal, as we see that it really wasn't right for us and we find our right people in person. We move forward and, and time moves, but we move with intentionality through that time. It is not time that heals all wounds. It is intention. Time shifts our relationship to it. But if we are intentional, a loss like that, a grief like that, might completely disappear. I certainly do not grieve past relationships, especially where I am in my healing and my life and the partnership that I have now. I can look back fondly on them or I can forget about them altogether, depending on what's appropriate for each. But there is grief that we hold for a lifetime. And that is usually the bigger, more intense, life-altering losses and grief. So I may have most likely would have moved on from that relationship in 2014 gone through the grief, gone through the healing, gone on to better things and been able to look back and not have had any grief. But because it was such a traumatic loss that impacted me so significantly and so thoroughly and deeply, altered my sense of self in a moment, altered my relationship to reality, to myself, to my life, to my relationships, to everything, I will always have that grief in some capacity. Maybe not for him specifically other than the grief of how he died and why. Definitely not for the relationship that ended necessarily, but grief for the experience and how it affected me. Grief for everything that I lost. Grief for his lost life. Grief for the people who still hurt because of that. There will always be grief. And this year, or when this episode comes out, I'm recording in advance, Last December was nine years since that loss. On the eighth year, the eighth year of my loss, so December 2022, I remember that day because it was such a good day. I met my partner, my love. I had reconnected with an old friend who is now one of our incredible business partners and developers and was getting to see my baby sister after years. I was having a really good day. I recorded a podcast episode that is a pillar for this show. And I remember the significance of that. It took eight years to be happy on the anniversary of his death, to be enjoying my life, to be healthy, to feel 
whole. And to be able to look back with fondness and appreciation for the gifts that came from that experience, never for the loss. Grief and gratitude, it can exist simultaneously, but that does not mean that we are grateful for the the thing that caused the grief, ever. We can feel grief and gratitude. It took eight years. And still, in that eighth year, I would cry. At some point in November, around his birthday, And definitely in December, when all the holiday lights came out and triggered me and reminded me of that horrible, dark season, and for sure, on the anniversary of his loss. That changes year over year. How we hold and relate to grief changes, but it doesn't go away. There are some losses and some griefs that we never are free of. We're just not. And believing that we have to be free of it is where we can go wrong, is what can feel impossible about it. Especially when the waves keep coming up over and over. And these bigger losses, the bigger grief, the second year of that is often harder because you're not as numb. And that was true for me, and that's true for a lot of people. So it's about shifting our relationship to grief, understanding that it is an experience that we have to move through. And there is a lot of unresolved grief that people hold in their bodies because they didn't let themselves feel. They didn't give themselves that space or that permission to just come undone and to figure out who they are in the aftermath of it because we are changed by them, whatever they might be. That is the work we do in journey mapping. We will link to that below. We're coming out with a new workbook for that that is even more in depth to really help navigate through the aftermath of challenging chapters and big life transitions. So that you can reorient yourself in your life and your relationships and your work and step into what is next. So you can let this shape you in a productive way. But it's important to understand if you're going through grief, if you're still healing from grief, these massive griefs that we experience, these massive incomprehensible losses, take time and intention, intentional processing work. The more that you allow yourself to feel and grieve, the less that will linger. The more freedom you can experience, the more healing that you can move through. But you may never, most likely will never be free of that grief. You simply continue to grow with it, around it. You hold it differently. The weight changes. But it's always there. So grief is not impossible to navigate through. It is not impossible to be free of in certain situations. It is not incomprehensible if we're, allow- if we're willing to allow ourselves to be unraveled by it, to surrender to it, to move through the waves of it, to welcome it for what it is, to not try to make sense of it. It does not make sense. There is no one right path to healing grief. There is no right amount of time. There's this idea of complicated grief, and sometimes that happens where we can't let go of it. We have these intrusive thoughts and these nightmares and and the anxiety that comes with it that we need treatment for. Whereas continual ongoing grief is normal and healthy because we continue to feel that loss and how it affected us. The grief of everything we lost because of that loss. The loss of self, the loss of what we thought we would have, who we thought we would be. The work is to be present with it to allow it, to stop trying to control it in the ways that it is uncontrollable, to let it unravel you, and to get support if and when you need it. Process work was a godsend to me. 
I am so grateful for the mentor that I have in my life who introduced me to that work, for how deep I was willing to go into that work because it helped my heart heal so much. It helped me move the emotions that were too deep in there because I I didn't understand them. I didn't know where they were to get them out. They weren't bubbling up on their own. Process work allows us to reach in and extract things, often by the root, so that we can really release them and relate to them differently. So please, if you are grieving, know that it is not impossible. It feels that way. It is so big. It is so hard for our little human bodies and minds to hold. Let that guide you through it. Unravel to it. Surrender to it. And see where you come out on the other side. And please, please get support if you need it. Check the show notes for resources, and I will be back in another episode. 